What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University, and the Social Justice Legal Foundation filed a complaint challenging San Mateo County's policy of digitizing and destroying physical mail sent to people in its jails. Joining us to discuss is Hannah Zhao, staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, focusing on criminal justice and privacy issues. Good morning, Hannah. Good morning, Kat. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for joining. I'm going to jump right in because we're a little short on on time. Tell us what policy is being proposed by San Mateo County and how are they possibly justifying uh, this? Um, So it's already actually been imposed in 2021. San Mateo County banned people in its jails from receiving any sort of physical mail other than from their attorneys. So under this policy, what you have to do to send letters to your loved ones in jail is you have to send it over to Florida, where a private company called Smart Communications will scan the mail and then shred it, destroy it. Now, this digitized scanned version will stay in their system for seven years. And in the jails, the intended recipient of the mail will be able to only access these digitized copies on a few um, a few tablets and kiosks that are located at the jails and that are only accessible during certain hours of the day. So there's a limited number and they're only accessible certain hours of the day. So, you know, this digitized version is really not at all a meaningful substitute for physical mail that you can keep, you know, with you at all times, pull out when you're feeling sad or, you know, deflated inside, maybe at night or in, you know, any other time that isn't considered free time during your incarceration. And I want to go back to to what San Mateo is saying as the reason. There's no justification for it. Clearly, this is a horrible policy. Uh, But I want my listeners to know uh, what, what, what the justification is. And, and why that justification so is trash. Yeah. Well, part of it is they haven't been very clear about what their justifications are, probably because there aren't really any. Uh, back when the policy was first implemented, their press release mentioned something about safety. And then during criticism on Facebook to its announcement, um, they responded with a comment that mentioned uh, keeping folks safe inside and something about concerns about fentanyl. Now, the fentanyl, you know, there's these... Other um, DOCs, Department of Corrections, have alleged previously that supposedly people can get, uh, I guess, poisoned just by coming into contact with fentanyl when they're opening and inspecting the mail, staff members, that is. Um, This is just complete baloney. (laughs) That is not scientifically possible (laughs) to get poisoned (laughs) by fentanyl in that sense. So, you know, there really isn't any justification. And the numbers bear this out. For example, in Florida state prisons, um, less than 2% of the contraband items confiscated over a two-year period were traced to mail. In Texas, um, uninspectable substances ain't found in mail was only in 0.5%. Uh, in 2019. And, you know, many other states have admitted um, that the main reason that drugs are trafficked into 
jail is because of the staff, is because of the guards themselves. And this is, you know, people have said this, admitted to it in Missouri. They're um, the leader of the Department of Corrections has admitted this. This is actually what happens. And we know it happens in San Mateo too, because in San Mateo, there's a number of staff who have pleaded no contest to allegations that they were um, trafficking in uh, drugs. Yeah, there was just a huge case. You probably saw it at, at Rikers, right, where several guards were yeah. busted for, for moving lots and lots of uh, controlled substances to the jails. This is something that happens all over um, this country. But in terms of policies like this, I mean, they tried that they tried a, a similar thing or they're doing a similar thing in, in New York, too. How, how common is this kind of policy uh, in, in other states across the country? Well, there are some states that do this, but this is one of the most restrictive regimes. So in some states, they will do the scanned mail, but they will print you a copy of the scanned mail. Now, again, obviously, you know, a drawing that your kid did in crayon is not going to be have the same meaning as a digital copy of a drawing your kid did in crayon, right? But at least you will be able to access that as any time that you wish. Um, so in terms of smart communications and their service mail guard, we know that there are um, other counties that used it. Um, and also Pennsylvania's state prison system has been using it since 2018 or 2019. So it's been a few years now. Um, Virginia and the federal uh, Bureau of Prisons have considered using it. Uh, Virginia opted not to use it, um, probably because overwhelmingly there are studies that show that letter writing is incredibly crucial to folks inside and to their loved ones outside. It's a lifeline for these people, and they just want to maintain a sense of familial ties and community, and mail is a really intimate way to do that. Um, you know, it, digital copies just don't suffice. And those are probably the reasons that Virginia or the federal prison system have opted not to use this because these policies are terrible for the folks inside. All right, Hannah, this is something that we're going to definitely want to continue to cover on Law and Disorder. Thanks for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>